When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show. We're going on a Friday morning at you uh, to discuss the NBA draft and some of the top picks we saw and how they might fit with their teams. As always, I'm dra- joined by Andrew Combo Salop uh, to discuss these things. Combo, what's happening, my man? All is good. It was a fun draft yesterday. What's uh, okay. new, Coach Nick? I was actually busy. I was kind of keeping my eye on it on the, on Twitter, but I was also busy doing other things with family. But uh, it sounds like somebody was watching the show on Wednesday. It does sound like that. Because all I can tell you is that Bancaro was not the number one pick for the Orlando Magic uh, for the last several weeks. As far as I could tell, everyone thought they were going to pick um, uh, Jabari Smith. You are correct. And if they didn't pick Jabari Smith... Everybody thought it could be Chet. Um, Paulo wasn't really in the conversation, even though there was people that thought he was the best player in this draft. But nobody thought, I wouldn't say nobody, most people thought that they would either go with Jabari most likely and then possibly Chet. Um, I, I, I agree. And uh, let's just do a quick shout out. So we got people in the chat right now. We got Just Me, Ashton, Mason, uh, Just Me Twice, and then Blake. What's What's up, fellas? Uh, don't forget, if you have a question you want to get onto the show, it's the Super Chat on YouTube is the way to go. So if you're ever on YouTube or on Twitter, head over to YouTube and um, and throw us some Super Chats and we'll do it. Now, we did miss one uh, from Furious Chicken last game. He, he like threw it in there or they threw it in there right as we ended the show. So I feel terrible because I wanted to get that. And I can't even put it on the screen because it was from an old show. But um, he was talking about Kai Soto, Kai Soto, who is... I want to say Kai is from the Philippines, right? Or uh, I think that's where he's from. Seven two. Uh, we got. I got to look at him and check him out. But we'll. But pr- if I see some good things, I'll make a video on him for sure because I'm sure that'll do really well. Um, but we had some. Let, let's talk about that. So you know, my, uh, the the Jabari Smith thing. Uh, you know, I went through his stuff uh, on Wednesday. You know, briefly, I watched like a hundred clips of him, and I, I expressed to you my grave concerns that this guy would be a number one. Uh, and I have to imagine if somebody in Orlando wasn't watching our show, they saw the same things, which was a 6'10 guy who could catch and shoot on standstill threes, but like didn't have much of a handle. I don't think yeah. I liked how he finished too well around the rim. And he, he certainly isn't very explosive uh, in, in movement quality. Right. So but like, you know, great. Pick him as a developmental guy, you know, later in the first round, but not number one, I think was probably my point. I think that's what they showed. Yeah, I mean, out of the three, in my opinion, he has the least star potential from pretty much everything you just said. He doesn't have the handle like Paulo or even Chet, right? And he's a great standstill shooter. He could guard multiple positions, which is pretty good. And those are the two um, highest value things that we value in today's NBA. But in terms of star potential, I didn't see it because as one of the, if you want to become one of the league's best players, first of all, you have to pressure the rim. And second of all, you have to have a handle to create for others and your own shot. Well, let that brings us nicely into uh, Paulo Banquero, which we should talk about from Duke. Uh, it, let's light up Coach K for a minute because they have three uh, first-round picks, including the number one pick of the draft. 
I mean, I guess they got all the way to the final four. So that should give them, you know, that, that should mean something, but it's almost like, how do you have that many players um, in, you know, in, in the first round like that, especially number one, and then you don't like win it all. And you kind of, kind of go out and with a whimper against Carolina, you play three times. Uh, I don't know. I'm a little bit concerned now. Of course, I'm forgetting some of the context. Maybe somebody was injured in that in those games in the final in the NCAA tournament run. Do you remember? Were they all playing? Were they all healthy? Yeah, they were pretty much all healthy. Um, they were all like highly yeah. touted prospects going in, and none of them did anything to like really lose stock. Like they all played well throughout times in the season. You know. Yeah, and by the way, the one thing I usually take away from going through a lot of college footage is usually I, I can't stand how the refs ref the game. But this time going through it, and I got I got more players. I'm busy. I got a lot of family time. I'm doing my best. I've gone through as many as I can. Um, there's a lot of problematic offense in uh, in college still. Like I, to watch Purdue run their offense and have at least one, if not two, guys on either block almost the entire time. So you're trying to watch these guards like you know move in or drive, and there's there's like a wall in front of them built into the offense. Not even like the defense helping. It just drives me insane. So we talked a little bit about this on Wednesday. How do we look at the footage to figure out how it translates? And so I actually made a list for you. Are you ready, Combo? Because yeah. it were, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in that right mode when you asked me before. But I started thinking about it when you asked that, and I, I wrote down some some answers here, some questions I asked myself while we're going through it. We can discuss. So um, the first thing I think that jumped out at me is like, if you see a nice move, it's, you have to pretend or uh, imagine. Can he do that versus pros, guys who are bigger, stronger, faster, longer, more explosive, right? Is that a possibility when you see a nice move? Um, you know what I mean? Does that make sense to you? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, like, an like Anthony kids. Edwards popped, like Anthony Edwards popped off the screen when I watched him play a few years back in college. And I just kind of pictured him in NBA space, what that would look like. And you could tell right away he's going to get his shot off effortlessly, no matter where he plays in the world. Yeah. And, and he was just explosive and powerful. Like those are the things right. that even if he didn't finish, you're like, well, he could improve the finishing thing over a couple of summers, whatever. But, you know, you, you, he has the burst. So that's what I'm looking for there. Uh, another one was, is the game too fast when he's out there with athletes? And so a lot mm -hmm. of the time it's when you want to watch the NCAA tournament because the teams are better. The athletes are better. The skill level is better there. The intensity and the, and the uh, pressure is higher. So that's where you get to see like we've seen guys who have had really great regular seasons for teams, Kansas, whatever. But then they, they get into the NCAA tournament and they get up, go up against a couple teams that are really fast. And you can see they can't handle it very well. Now, they might eventually adjust and get there. But like, you know, Gonzaga is a good example of that, where they seem to struggle a lot of the time um, when they, whoever they play throughout the regular season, even though they, they generally have a tough schedule, but they get up into the, into the uh, tournament and ultimately run into someone that's like bigger, faster, stronger, and they can't seem to handle it as well. So that's always in my mind. Yeah, I think, you know, even when we were talking about Jabari, like the way he scores, and I think he'll be a good NBA player, but it was a lot of like jab, step, jab, step, jab, step, shoot over. And, you know, towing the line on a lot of those threes, as I mentioned the other day. So you always have to look at those things and really think in your head, will they translate to the NBA level at an effortless level? Separation is so important, I think, like how effortlessly you could separate and get your shot off and how quick the release is. All those things are so important. You really have to picture a prospect and just kind of like kind of inject them in an NBA game in your mind and see how it'll look. Sure. I mean, a big one to that also would be, can you get by your man off the dribble? Uh, a lot of these guys get like two dribbles in. They have to stop and turn their back uh, at, at about 10 feet from the hoop 
if you're a, if you're a top draft pick in playing in college, you shouldn't. That should not happen, right? In my mind, you shouldn't be stuck having to like turn your back all the time. Um, so that's another big one. I saw a lot of these guys doing where it's just like, you know, they don't have bursts. They don't know how to attack on the catch. Uh, their handle is shaky. And we'll get into some of those people in, in a minute. Uh, but we do have our first super chat. So let's get that up on the thing. Dave Wu. Thank you so much. Friend of the breakdown has been in there for us for a while. Thunder fan staying up late in Taiwan being so happy. Finally, seeing the future pieces coming together, Chet and SGA and Giddy would be interesting. By the way, I was so afraid Orlando would pick Chet first. Woo. Or whew. Now, uh, so Thunder fan, Thunder fan, you know, they continue to add pieces and they're developing something big here. And so um, let's let's discuss that for a second, because I guess we can get to the second pick of Chet already. We I mean, do we even we didn't really go through Bancaro on Wednesday. We did. But the real quick top line for me was he plays at his own pace under control. Uh, I like his shot. He shot like average from three, but I like the mechanics. I like his handle and I like his feel for the game. And I just feel like, and, and he's got sneaky, explosive uh, athletic ability. I, I feel like he doesn't always show it, but when he needs it, he can kind of turn it on and get there and finish strong at the basket. So those are the things I really enjoyed about him. Anything else, or do you want to disagree? No, I don't disagree on any of that, but I guess some of the improvement areas would be defense and being more willing as a three-point shooter. Defense, me fence. But yes, Willing is a, is a three-point shooter. He'll probably be able to get a bunch of pick and pops and stuff. But we'll see. Um, we'll see how that plays out uh, in the pros, in what position he's going to play um, as he gets out on the court um, with uh, the Magic. You know, the Magic's very – it's upheaval. It's, it's been – uh, they haven't been able to get, you know, a lot of things going uh, in the last several years. But I do think that they – this was a great pick for them. So was um, Wagner from uh, last year. So they have 100%. a couple of nice pieces here that they can put together there. So uh, they're, they're turning this thing around. I think they're getting more competent as they get as they go forward. And I think that they 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 did a good service to themselves in the long run, not picking Jabari Smith. And so I think clearly they saw what I had seen and decided this wasn't worth the number one pick. Or they watched the show yesterday. Or they, or they watched the show on Wednesday, which is very possible Wednesday. because there are friends of the breakdown out there in that organization and you know who you are. Do you feel stressed out and unsure what you can do to relax, not just your body, but your mind? You have to try Calm, the number one mental wellness app that gives you the tools you need to improve the way you feel. Start by taking a deep breath, let it out, then download the Calm app and use it to not only clear your mind and be more present, but they've got imaginative sleep stories and daily movement sessions to help you recharge and unwind. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. And for listeners of the show, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash bball. Go to calm.com slash bball for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash bball. All right, uh, but let's talk a little bit about Chet uh, because um, Chet was a guy who, I don't know, I went through some more footage this morning, Combo. Okay. And I, we might have to have a little session here. I don't feel good about it anymore. I thought, I, I gave you the, I, I was willing to say, listen, this could go either way. I'm not going to tell you it's not going to happen, but um, I don't know. I just worry that he doesn't have, I mean, listen, I think the one thing that you develop is strength, but I just worry he doesn't have the kind of strength to be able to go up against the NBA athletes and be successful, certainly in the first year. So I, I think I'm willing to say that I think he's going to struggle mightily in the first year, probably should have stayed in college another year to continue to develop. 
But um, what do you, what do you see? I mean, we talked about this a couple of times, but just give us the top line, uh, you know, uh, for for why you feel like he's going to do well. Well, I feel he is a unicorn, and he fits the way a modern big should be in the modern NBA. Like, first of all, the defensive instincts are elite. He's a great rim protector. He can slide his feet with most guards. And just the defensive instincts and IQ are really good. Um, He could shoot it. I think he shot over 40% from three, especially on catch and shoot trailing threes. And he's a lob threat, which is so important in the modern NBA. I think it's a great pickup for OKC because one thing they're really lacking in is rim protection. And I think he provides that. I had a tweet back in March saying, I think Jaden Ivey would be great in Detroit. And Cade with Chet in OKC would be the start of OKC's path out of tank mode. And I'm glad to see both those guys land with those two teams because I think it's the best situation for them. So, yeah, I'm all in on Chet. And I'm not mad at your take saying that Paulo would be better right away. But when I look at long-term upside, I think Chet is that to the highest level. Here's the thing. Chet, you know, to me, a unicorn in that respect would be like KP, who's like 7'4 or whatever. He's seven feet, right? So he's about, you know, not quite in that level in my mind of like complete crazy uniform because he's so tall and he can do all these things. But listen, my favorite part of it is he'll, he'll he can block a shot, grab the loose ball, and push it up. Like, I like to see that. That's pretty cool. Really um, good in transition. Here, yeah. I'll tell you this, Coach Nick. Yeah. You're going to make a video this summer, and it's going to be based around Chet in summer league playing in transition because I think that's going to go viral this summer. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, that's the, those are the moments because it's so much transition now. You can get you can squeeze a lot of production out of those uh, those possessions where maybe you wouldn't in the '90s or whatever. But so that's really good too. And he's also in a perfect position where he went to the OKC Thunder yes. because they're, they're they're taking their time. They'll allow him to develop. He'll be in a situation where he'll you know he'll get reps without having to have all the pressure to, to win. I do like his shot mechanics, so I feel like that should translate pretty well. He should 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 shoot pretty well from three. Which someone uh, was asking me about um, Jabari Smith's no dip. Albert Singleton, great call, Albert. Um, did I write it down in uh, Jabari? Because there's somebody else uh, I need to talk about. Uh, Jabari, where are, where's my notes here uh, for him? So let me ask you this, Coach Nick. I mean, while you while you figure that out, Chet able to pick and pop, lob threat could push in transition, and defensive instincts are really well. What don't you like about him? Is it just really the body frame? I think it's the frame. I think it's good. he's not going to be able to hold his position to then do all make those plays. You know, that's mm. that's my issue. So defensively, I like to see what would happen when get when bigger, stronger guards are going to attack him and go at him. Can he can he protect the rim in those situations without just getting blasted out of the way? Um, you know, he doesn't beat anybody off the dribble, and so he's going to have to rely on a nice pull up mid range game, which we saw him do. He's got a nice form, and he can elevate over the college players. But that's where I wonder if can he do that against the pros. And that's, you know, you mentioned Porzingis. That's where he separates himself from Porzingis. He shows some flashes of creation in the mid-range with one-leg runners and all different kinds of finishes from that second-box scoring area, right? And he could really create his own in that area, and I think that's what could really take his game to the next level after all the, you know, the defensive instincts and the pick-and-pop and and the lob threat, be able to create his own in the mid-range. I think he, I thought he showed flashes of that. Yeah, I just worry also about speed. And we saw that in the tournament where he didn't handle that as well, either in transition too, where guys would be, you know, taking getting position quick and forcing him into awkward shots. So that's another worry. But again, that could be cleaned up right now while he's working out and de- developing those skills even now. So, and 
I, I suspect he's one of those guys who works really hard. Um, you know, I think he could also his body. He just needs more core strength. He's got a little bit rounded back like that, which would needs to be improved. Which you see in like younger players, usually younger than than even freshmen in college, and they kind of iron that out by by college. But he's you know needs to his body is a little bit behind in, in terms of development, so he needs to continue to do that. And and you know the the, the more time he's with pro trainers, the better. Because, again, what we see in college uh, as far as what they're running offensively is just archaic. And then I've heard plenty of, you know, uh, just horrible stories about what they're doing to teach, uh, you know, individual skills at the college level, too, which is frightening, which, you know, we could talk about Jamari Smith. So I, I have him. I wrote him down as, a, as an abbreviated dip. And again, it, and it's a 6'10 guy. It looks to me like. Yes, they told him he shouldn't dip, so he really doesn't have much of a rhythm there. And so I think I'm worried that getting into the college game where – and his shot selection was kind of bad anyway. He thought he could just shoot over guys who were smaller. There are not going to be many guys who are smaller than him going forward or guarding him. So I, I worry that that kind of lack of rhythm is going to really send his uh, three-point percentage plummeting if he's going to try and get those longer-distance threes where you need like a dip generally to get a little bit more power to shoot it. So, um, so that answers uh, Albert's question about the Jabari Smith no-dip. Um, but again, there's another example of what, what they're doing in college. You know that these guys are out there teaching them not to dip the ball in the catch, and it's it's insane. It's coaching criminality, and um, it kills people's shots. College basketball, they definitely have to do a better job of skill, de skill development, maybe taper back a little bit on the conditioning. Like, you don't need to run 60 suicides um, yeah. the day before a game. <laughs> 60? Is that really a story you've heard? Well, I've, I've ran 50 myself. Wow. And well, you probably heard me rail against the fact that there's nothing about nothing in the game of basketball that you there's nothing about running in a straight line at a predetermined distance, predetermined time that gives you any in indication of training for basketball. But doesn't mean that it means nothing. If you want a lot of uh, if you want cardio, great. Here's 10 other drills that are all basketball based with a handling skill and you're you're getting 100 percent. It makes I, no sense. I, I, I love. Thing, yeah, 100 percent. I love things like warming up with the basketball. Like, things to that degree, like, it's just too much without the basketball really early on in the season for my liking. I don't know if things have changed over the years, but I know 10, 20 years ago, it was way too much conditioning and monsters and long distance running outside that a lot yeah. of that is complete waste of time, in my opinion. Yeah. And then you see stuff like um, like in the, for like football, they're having these linemen run, you know, 10 straight 100 yard you know sprints, which is just like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life for a lineman. And then they die. So it's it's uh, ridiculous. And I, I believe, believe me, I was a coach who made my players run a lot of suicides. And finally, I, I well, the, the, what got me out of that was, you know, if they miss a layup, an unguarded layup in a drill, I blow the whistle and they all go on the line. You're not concentrating going to run a suicide. And then finally, someone asked me, well, how does running a suicide help them make that layup better? And I had no answer to that. And at that point, I was like, this is stupid. We should let's do a drill that they're sprinting as hard as they can under time. But they have to finish with the layup like that's the whole thing. I, I have a great one where I do, you know, half the team under one basket, half the team on the other. And they have to you know, dribble the entire length of the court, do a left handed layup. And they have to make. Uh, well, I think we did 70 in two minutes. Uh, NBA teams would do 90 in two minutes. And uh, I got to tell you, when you play a team of 10, there's only five guys. They're just constantly sprinting and going. And you have to make them to get to 70. You can't miss too many or else, guess what? You do it again. And that's what we were that. And then guess what? They get more practice, full speed, left-handed layups off the glass, you know, touch, dribble, all this stuff. So anyway, uh, there, there's, a, there's a little free, free tip for the coaches out there on how to, how to get cardio with uh, skill. Um, Let's see here. Well, let's continue with the, the list here because – so I could, do we cover Chet enough? I think maybe. Um, yeah, why not? 
anything else I want to say here? Um, he's going to have to rely on his secondary moves after being cut off to get mid-range shots. So I kind of made that point. Um, but the best well, thing I, like I mean, in the beginning, in the beginning, that would be to become a star. He is going to need that, right? But in the beginning, if he's picking and popping and catching lobs and running the floor and just doing what he has to do on defense, he yeah. could be a great, you know, third player on that team next to SGA and Giddy, right? So right. he just really has to complement what those guys do in the beginning, and then hopefully he adds the other stuff to become elite. For sure. Well, let's get to the number four pick by uh, the Kings, uh, Keegan Murray out of Iowa. Um, this one you have to explain to me. This is even worse than um, Jabari Smith, man. Here's a guy yeah. who's like maybe 6'8", and he just plays in the post the whole time, like almost the whole time. Yeah, I know he shot some threes and made those, but I, I went through three games, and it's just a lot of post-ups, and he's not even great at that. I, I don't know. Can you explain this one? No, I could explain that in the draft we saw which teams were the smart organizations, like the Heat and the Warriors, and which teams weren't as smart of organizations like the Knicks and the Kings. Congrats to him for being a top-five pick. That's a small club to be in, but – Man, when you have Jaden Ivey there, I know Jaden Jaden Ivey didn't want to play there, so maybe that's part of it. But you know, at least go with Shaden Sharp and the upside of that he has as a shot creator and the athleticism and just a wing scorer. I mean, the NBA is going away from that type of player. I know the MVPs have been Jokic and MB, but those are special special players, and Jokic is almost like a point guard at this point. So no, I don't understand the pick at all, and it just proves that. There are some organizations that are smarter than others, and they continue to make better decisions in this draft than maybe some of the not-so-smart organizations. Yeah. And, uh, and Andrew's making some great points out there as a friend of the Raytown uh, in the in the chat to so check those out. But, um, it, like, here's the thing. Like, Timmy, if Drew Timmy's going to go back to school, like, then Keegan Murray shouldn't be in the draft either. Like, they, like they, they reminded me sort of similar style games. Now, that said, uh, Murray's got good bounce. He had good explosion. He gets off the floor well. But um, I didn't see very good post moves. Even for a guy who was like down low in the post, and that was the guy that this is when I started to throw up my hands and I'm watching uh, their offense run. And it's like, um, who is it? Matt Painter still there? He might still be the head coach, right? I think so. Um, and, and he's my age. So he came out of that era where it was, you know, ground zero for just stupid basketball. Um, and so if I were a guard at Iowa, like, I wouldn't want to play there because you never get a chance to get a handoff, turn the corner, go in the lane and, and maybe try and make a play at the basket because there's going to be two of your teammates on either block almost every single time. It drives me absolutely insane to watch that. And, and I, I, even the team I'm helping right now in the Valley, like, you know, the, the, and he was my assistant when I was a coach, a great friend of mine and, and a guy who he wanted to run double low post. And I'm like, no, 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 we, we need to – let's get some space out here. Let's give the guards some opportunities to drive and kick. You know, let's give them a modern game. Um, so – but we still see that all over the place, and it's uh, it's mind-boggling. And you know what? Iowa probably won a bunch of games, so he's going to figure, well, we don't – it works. Why would we change it? But uh, I just feel like there's a ceiling you're putting on your team because you're going to play against a team that can handle that, no problem, and then you, what do you have? Whereas if you can open up the floor – create more opportunities to drive and kick. Now you're going to get some variability. You get some threes and open shots get hot. Now you can beat a team that's better than you. Um, anyway, so that's where we're at. I, I mean, I don't, yeah, again, I feel bad to, to, to disparage Keegan Murray's game. He's playing in the system that they, that they developed for him. Um, but I just don't know. I, I didn't see his handle being great. I didn't see him beating people off the dribble. Um, and then, you know, if he's, if he's down low, I wasn't seeing a lot of the great moves either. Uh, he's a sophomore. Is that right? Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, he's been there for multiple years now in a way that that's that, you know, he's already, you know, if, if he's a freshman, okay, I could see that Jabari Smith was in that category, right? He's a freshman. So there's a lot of upside. But when you get into your second year, you're supposed to see a little bit more of that polish I didn't see. So uh, I, I, I'm mystified by that pick. Uh, I think you agree. I agree. I like him, but not for number four. Okay. Well, let's get to number five. Let, let's, okay, put on your Swami, uh, your hat, and see if you can look into my brain and figure out who I think Jaden Ivey reminds me of the most in the NBA. Don't say John Moran. No. No. Okay. As long as it's not John Moran, because the John Moran were unfair comparisons for Jaden. No. But go no, ahead. No. But you, it's, it's somebody else. What team does he play for? Well, that's too easy. He's in the West. Does that help? Don't He's say not Russell a team Westbrook. that just lost their coach. Don't say Russell Westbrook. No, but that's actually interesting. I forgot. Yeah, uh, no. Donovan Mitchell. This Less, guy reminds me of Donovan well, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah the athleticism, but just Donovan Mitchell has uh, more in his bag in terms of getting his own shot off. May, uh, may, now... But maybe yeah. coming out of college too, uh, no. But I, but as soon as I started watching, I'm like, oh, he's explosive, and he sh- kind of just sort of maybe reminds me of shooting that way, uh, the way he does. Uh, he struggles a little bit finishing at the rim, but you know Mitchell is the same way. Uh, but he's got pro moves. He's got moves that, and athletic ability that can get him into that lane. Um, so he was the first guy that was like, oh, okay, this guy's got the athletic ability and some of the skills to translate pretty quickly uh, to the pros. Now, Andrew's saying he's a lot bigger than Mitchell. In my mind, I thought he was listed at 6'4". Is Mitchell... He got, Mitchell? He got, he got like an inch and a half or two inches on him. Okay, yeah, all right, 6'2", we've seen 6'4". Okay, whatever. Um, but um, I, I, th- I, I like him. I think he could be a really good guard uh, and, 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 you know, make some noise in the beginning with a lot of rookie mistakes. But still, um, this is the guy who I think uh, is the guy who could become pretty damn good in the NBA. Yeah, Detroit got lucky. I've been saying for a long time, and even on the live show on Wednesday, I thought that him and Cade would be dynamic together, and I'm glad to see him there. His speed is maybe not there, but it's comparable with a John Wall or a Derrick Rose. Maybe not quite at that level, okay. but it's pretty damn close. He is super fast, crazy burst, and it's going to work great next with Cade. Huh. All right. You know, I didn't see that kind of evidence, but you know what? It was it, a lot of the, the games that's watching in the tournament when things like slow down. So it was a mm. lot. Of, I didn't get a chance to see a lot of the uh, transition stuff. But that's even better than the better news because, you know, but I, and by the way, based on I've seen the handles a little bit loose. Um, I suspect we'll see some spectacular turnovers and crazy things off of, uh, you know, in the transition. But I, I suspect he'll improve on that and get better and better at that. Um, and then ultimately, uh, you know, be a really solid guard at the very least. So I think that the Pistons did nicely. Uh, they've already, you know, got a stockpile of young players that will fit uh, around, you know, each other pretty well, be around Cade, um, right? I mean, they might have to make a decision or two with some of the other guys, uh, at, depending on who develops better first, right? Yeah, I, li- I like him, Sadiq Bey. Uh, Killian hasn't shown to be a competent NBA offensive player yet. He's pretty good on defense, but... You know, this was a no-brainer for Detroit, and they got really lucky to get Jaden here because, you know, some people felt he was the best player in this draft. I didn't feel that way, but it's definitely a great pick at five, and I think the fit's incredible with Cade. 
Yeah. I mean, he certainly just stood out and was like, this is okay. This is a guy who, who is physically ready to play in the NBA. Um, yeah. yeah. Wait, remind me, like, what is Sadiq uh, listed? He's, he's taller. Yeah, he's 6'7". He's tall. Right? He's like 6'9". Oh, well, they have him at 6'7", but maybe he's grown a little bit. But, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, he's, I th- I think he's bigger than that. Yeah. And his, his rookie year, he shot – like, I really like his jump shot. And I remember coming out of college, it's like, okay, I really like this guy. Um, and he shot 38% from three in the, his first year. And then he bumped up that number a little bit in terms of attempts and then it went down. But it was a weird year, I suppose, uh, uh, for the, 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 uh, the Pistons. And now that they have Bagley, like, things are going to change. Yeah, also, Bagley is looking so much better. But when you're playing with a guy like Cade, I mean, that's bound to happen. And just playing with the Kings – I almost feel bad for anybody who gets drafted by the Kings because it's kind of not yeah. conducive to uh, being a right. great player. Just like the, well, it's the, weird because Luke Walton came there. from the Warriors. You'd have thought that they would have a better infrastructure around, but it just something about that that franchise. Ever since you know uh, they 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 had the the Chris Webber era, um, right? They haven't been good since then, right? Am I missing a, an era in Sacramento? Nah. Right. Uh, so some, something is off with like the ownership all the way down and they can't get it all together, which is interesting uh, in that realm. And I don't know if Mike Brown's going to turn this around either, but um, we'll see uh, from the from the King standpoint. But at the very least, yeah, I like what Detroit is doing. Finally, uh, you know, it's interesting because in Orlando, you know, they're making some better moves now, too. So maybe we'll far, finally start to see some of those teams that have been languishing for a long time uh, become relevant again. It'd be nice. I haven't I mean, I haven't done a magic video. And by the way, I really wanted to do a Franz Wagner video, and I didn't, and I meant to, and I, I will. Um, but uh, even so, I mean, I haven't done an Orlando Magic video for a long time, and I yeah. would like. To- <laughs> you should, <laughs> you should. I mean, Chet will be an interesting video when he starts playing. And I told you, like, we might see him go viral in summer league. I believe so. Also, Sadiq Bey had like an underreported fifty-point game towards the end of the season, so it was cool to see him do that and just yeah. show how flammable he could be. Right, that, that, that he's that kind of guy, right? Who can kind of you know get hot and um and really just start yeah. to fill it up for you, in, playing in in the context of the offense. He doesn't have to really generate stuff too. So, yeah, uh, that was great to see. He's so like he's he's almost like three and D plus, you know. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, I was it's, he was the guy I liked probably the, one of the like the best players I liked out of last year's draft. So it was great to see. Villanova him. always produces good pros. Yeah, for sure. They do. They do. Now let's get, let's skip down. We'll talk about a couple other players that were later on in the draft uh, or not uh, actually not Jaden Hardy. Um, you wanted me to take a look at him because you liked his game and he was not drafted, right? Or he's second round, he was right? Dra- second round. Yes. And from the G league ignite. So here's the thing about that is he's already playing against pros uh, in the G leagues. And that's a real much better way of ascertaining what they can do, what they can't do. Um, He's got a funky shot, and so he likes to shoot it a lot from the outside. And the biggest thing I noticed with him is he doesn't, you know, we talk about wrist extension. And a lot of good shooters have late wrist extension, which means that they don't get it all the way back extended until the, the set point, which is actually mm. part of the natural rhythm of a shot, which is great, because you'll see a lot of these bad coaches, in my mind, insist that they have uh, the uh, their, their wrist back early. And I feel like that is uh, one of those things that, that eliminates the, the rhythm that a good shooter has. Watch it going forward. Watch all the good shooters. A lot of them have their neutral wrists, uh, you know, all the way on the way up. And then only as they're getting it to there does it get all the way back. Can you see that? Maybe I'll do it this way. So, oh, uh-oh, one of my things fell off, my, my Michael Jordan thing. So their, their wrist is neutral on top of the ball here. Let's see if I can turn this better. Move it. Okay. And then as they're coming up here, then the wrist starts to do that and then they flick it. Right. 
So that to me is an important part of the rhythm where I, I would never stress having it back like this before you catch it and then try and shoot it. Anyway, he doesn't even get his wrist ex, uh, extension at all, hardly. It maybe gets to about this, and then he's here, and then he just flicks it from there. Some players have been able to find some success with that, but I have very grave concerns about him being able to shoot well doing that. Hmm. I just feel like, you know, he's a three-level scorer, and he's of the mold, not as athletic as these guys, of a Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards in the fact that he can get his shot off really effortlessly and the separation I believe is elite. And I think you put Jaden Hardy anywhere in the world, he's going to score the basketball. Now how the rest of his game develops, that'll be interesting. But I also felt like he was an underrated playmaker as well when it came to him playing with the G League Ignite. And he didn't even have tools like he will have at the NBA level, like real lob threats and legit three-point shooting options. So I really like his game, and I think it was a steal for the Mavericks. And I, I do think that um, he can get in the lane really well, so that's good. Yes. He's got he has start-stop. He has different finishes in the lane. Yep. Yeah. Now, and the finishing needs to get better, and his handle needs to get cleaned up. He he, he mm-hmm. doesn't – it's not as clean as I like it to be, both picking it up to shoot it or when he's getting the basket trying to finish close. Uh, and, again, those are things that get cleaned up uh, over the next, you know, year or two, whatever. That shouldn't be an issue going forward. But right now what I saw in a lot of those clips I watched was a little bit of a shaky handle. Like he, he lose the control of it a little bit too much. Um, but, but you know, I see I see something there. How tall is he, by the way? He's 6'4", 6'5". I mean, don't you feel like for a late 30s pick that's a steal? Yeah. I mean, especially because he's had a whole year to develop or he's not developing in college. He's going to be more ready than, than other guys, which, which by the way, late thirties, you know, you're going to pick a junior or a senior in college. Right. And those guys are more ready anyway, right away. So there's kind of that equivalent there from that, that point. But, um, but yeah, I think so. I mean, there, he, he had a teammate that was picked higher than him, right? Marjan Bochamp. Yeah. And Dyson Daniels. Dyson Daniels at a for the Pelicans. I, I didn't get a chance to check out Dyson. Do you have any feelings on him? Yeah, I like his game a lot. Great feel. Um, some would call him slow. I don't think he's slow. I just think he plays with great pace and a solid athlete, makes the right pass really often. The shooting could get better, but the mechanics look good on it, so I believe he'll become a better shooter. I really like his game. I felt he was a sleeper a while back, but then he started climbing up the draft boards and kind of landed where I feel like he should. Right. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to check out at least the top 10 and start digging into even more footage as we go forward. Um, let's just talk about, uh, you mentioned Nikola Jovic, uh, I think in the last one, and we talked about him briefly. I got a chance to get my eyes on, um, some of the highlights and then, you know, our good scouting uh, video. And I, yeah, I could totally see why you think, okay, the Warriors would want to get him because he's big. He probably can offer some sort of rebounding ability at that size and he's mobile and he can shoot it and he can handle it. I mean, he can pass it. He can, he's got all the tools in that, in that sort of typical European mold, um, uh, I, I think he's going to be really, really good, especially if he goes to a place like Miami, which does have uh, opportunities to do handoffs, to do clever offense, I think. Although I really wasn't liking their offense in the, you know, ad nauseum in the playoff videos I was doing on them. But maybe he uh, influences it a little bit. Do you think he's going to get playing time right away, though? I think he will get playing time in his first season because the Heat aren't afraid to play their younger players because they believe in their own development. And it was great to see him go to the Miami Heat, such a smart organization, and see that my thoughts aligned with an organization like the Heat was really encouraging for myself as well. I actually have friends that work with the Heat, um, and it's great to see them get a player that I'm so high on and thought was actually a top 15 prospect, not a late first-round prospect. Right. I I totally agree. I feel like – 
you know, he is definitely, and he didn't play in the Euro League, which you had told me about, uh, you mentioned, and uh, which is also interesting because it, 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 I wonder how possible it's going to be that a guy can play in a second tier league and do well, and he's going to get drafted and then do well in the NBA. That might open up a lot of other things. I feel like there's a lot of trepidation about guys if they're not in the Euro League. Well, how good can that be? And how, how good is that league? Yeah, I mean, you know, in Europe, it's very hard to play as a teenager in EuroLeague, no matter how good you are. Yeah, we've seen Luka Doncic, but there's also plenty of really, really good 18 and 19-year-olds in EuroLeague that don't get a second just Mm -hmm. from the tradition of EuroLeague. It's just so different over there. Um, Luka was really an anomaly when it came to that. Yeah, and and you're plugged into that as well, having played uh, overseas, right? Definitely. Yeah, it's just a totally different mentality. Just like... You're only 18 and 19 year olds are usually on the end of the bench. You know, yeah. you just don't play. So it was probably best for him not to be playing in Euro League, to be totally honest, and getting more reps. Exactly, exactly. And so that, that and that's the other key is when you're watching, you know, especially at that level uh, at that league, when you're trying to figure out well, how can he do well in the NBA or not? Like you got to be able to ascertain the the competition level as well. That's not always easy. And sometimes you'll see these games where, you know, they have guys who are, who are not even college players out there, right, at least physically. And so and they're dominating there. It's like, how do you translate that? But I, for what I did see, it d- definitely looked like, um, you know, there was a lot of promise there, and he had a good basketball IQ. He comes from uh, certainly a country that knows how to produce basketball players. I got, yeah, I got to see I got to see what they're doing over there when it comes you know, to well, let's because- go. Let's go to Serbia and check it out. Yeah, because, I mean, look, what is the country? Seven million people? To have mm-hmm. a national team that good is incredible. And to keep developing players like that is incredible. And they have a two-time MVP who came yeah. from there. So, so it's, so it's Jovic, Jovic. And then Jovic now will play on that team. Who uh, I'm forgetting who else has on that team right now. Is it? Who else? Well, Milos Tiadosic. Oh, um, yeah. Love him. Yeah. Yeah, they got um, they got they got so many guys. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And guys who played in the NBA, like they've had who have NBA experience, is going to help them. So right. they'll they'll be really solid uh, coming into the Olympics. Uh, in um, what's see, what year are we in? In twenty twenty four, I think it's in the Olympics. Are next right for the uh, yeah. for basketball? So um, well, listen, I you know we wanted to kind of do a quickly and break down a few of these players and get through it. Um, I, I I know there's a lot of people who want to hear about more stuff, so and we'll continue to do that. I will do some more videos as well. Uh, to, to cover some people. Kai Soto would be interesting. Like he didn't get drafted. There's probably some sort of a bias against like Filipino players. Um, but we got to check out if he can get, you know, pick up with a, with a, you know, a summer league team and do well. Maybe he can get a, get a contract. Most definitely. There's a lot of great players that didn't get drafted, you know, so it'll be interesting to see them in summer league, see how they develop. Do they end up in the NBA? Do they end up in the G league? Do they end up overseas? Mm-hmm. A lot of great stories and a lot of great players. These drafts keep getting deeper and deeper, and it just tells me that the future of the NBA is bright. For sure. Now, anybody else, before we sign off, that you know really grabbed your mind? I know you mentioned some people last time, but anybody else out there that you think uh, is a steal or uh, is going to surprise us? Surprises? Um, I think Jaden Hardy is going to surprise people because he got drafted so late, and I think he has a chance to be a really good player and just – you know, when we look back, it'll be like, how did this guy get drafted so late? And just, to, you know, Pat Baldwin Jr. for all uh, the Warriors. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy that was really highly touted out of high school. And he decided to play with his for his father with players that probably weren't at the highest level. And he struggled at times because, you know, a lot of that might have been because he didn't have the proper spacing playing on at a mid-major. Right. So I always feel like there's a reason why guys are that highly touted out of high school 
and you shouldn't give up on them too early. And obviously the Warriors are a really smart organizations. So these, they see something there. He's 6'10". He could really shoot the basketball. So we'll see how that develops. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they could probably use a 6'10 shooter that can uh, grab some boards. <laughs> so. Right, like my, Michael Porter Jr. dropped for other reasons. That was more medical, but it could be something of that mold. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll keep our eye on that one. I'm, I'm going to have to go through some of that footage too. So, well, anyway, thank you, Combo, for the Friday after Friday morning, mid-morning, whatever this thing was, uh, show and breaking some stuff down. This was awesome. Um, and we will be back again. Uh, I don't know. I think Tuesday might work if you're around. Yeah, let's do Tuesday. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for everybody out there. Thanks for uh, being part of the show. Thank you, Combo. Have a great weekend. Everyone out there, please be safe. And don't forget, sports fans, that P-Ball Breakdown is not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Combo? I'm in, Coach Nick. <laughs>